You there, adventurer? Yes, you. Do you desire knowledge of immense worlds and arcane power? A codex of untold stories and lore? Or perhaps simply easy listening for your daily commute? Then feast your eyes, or more accurately, ears, upon Dungeonpedia. Shit's about to get nerdy in here. everyone, and welcome to Dungeonpedia, an exploration into the lore of Dungeons & Dragons. We're your hosts, Lillian Markell, Taylor Stanfield, and I'm Travis Beasley. All right, guys. There's a very exciting development at the grocery store today. They uh, put on a new flavor. Well, I don't know if it's actually a new flavor or if it's just new to my local grocery store of my favorite nondescript uh, caffeinated beverage. <laughs> <laughs> your favorite energy drink? My favorite energy drink, yeah. And the flavor is... Tangerine mango slash guava strawberry, which I don't know if that means that there's like there's all just a, four, all four of them, or like or it, one or the other. Yeah, like if it's a surprise, like you open it and you're like, it's not, you're not sure if you're getting a tangerine mango or if you're getting a guava strawberry. But in any case, we're gonna try it. That'll sound good to people. Yeah, like an ASMR. <laughs> Welcome to my energy drink ASMR. It's like it's like ASMR still, but you're like. Really energetic and hiking. <laughs> yeah, nothing more relaxing than someone who's like jittery on an energy drink. Right. I think it's all four. Let me try it. I think it's all four. That tastes really good, though. Like, I, as with all new things, I was worried I wouldn't like it, but that's really good. That's- it's good, but it did not mix well with the tea I'm drinking. I was like, the look on your face said otherwise. There, yeah, you made a but- face. It-, it mixed with the tea that I just had and... We're just passing it around. I like it, actually. Yeah. yeah. See, and it tastes like all four, because the tangerine hit me first, and I was thinking maybe I just got the tangerine mango in the surprise pack. <clears throat> How much would that suck if it was like that, though, but you were, like, allergic to mangoes? Oh, man. So it's like, maybe you get the guava <laughs> strawberry, and it's delicious, but maybe you get tangerine mango, and then you have to go to the hospital. I'm gonna say that if you're allergic to the ingredients in any of those, you should probably stay away from them. You probably shouldn't risk the gamble. Yeah. No, or you can live on the edge. Well, I mean, we we're awake at night, so we live on the edge anyway. True. I eat peanut butter sometimes. You know, it, it should be mentioned that you're allergic to peanut butter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you probably shouldn't. <laughs> it's been a while, but um, I cry every time I get you a Reese. There is a storm going on right now again, which I'm pretty sure happened in our last episode. It did, and the episode before that, and the episode before that. No, no, that's no. exaggerating. But. It's springtime, so. This could in. be a common occurrence. Mm-hmm. It's springtime in Tornado Alley. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, enjoy the sounds of the thunderstorm if it doesn't get edited in post. Yeah, if it's not all. If you hear an occasional... Uh, an occasional Clap of thunder. Yeah, an occasional shout out from Thor, please... Uh, please just ignore send him it. A, send him a prayer. He just wants the attention. Yeah, just say hi. <laughs> Tweet He's him. He's a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> Tweet him. Okay. Well, actually, speaking of deities... And the light, we are actually going to talk about planes today. I love planes. I don't see how that relates, but okay. What? They're a good way to travel. Don't look at me like that. Guys, why? I mean, are they though? Like, they're cramped, there's a ton of people, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of anxiety (sighs) about, like, getting to your gate on time, and like, 
Then, then the TSA tries to throw away your skincare. Okay, it's so like, I can't argue those points, but it's still better than driving. Fair enough. Like have Travis you, does hate driving long distances. Have you driven from here to Florida? No. It's like a well, sixteen-hour drive. I have been in a I have been in a car ride from here to Florida, but I have not driven it myself. You know what's superior to both of those though? Trains. I love trains. I've never ridden on a train. I you know what is superior to all of those? Planer travel. Mm, we've already established what's not good about that. Fuck you. All right. I guess that's <laughs> okay. our segue into okay, it planes. Is. So you are bringing us information about planes. Yes. Planes are an essential part of the world of D&D. I mean, it's kind of one of those things that, like, defines D&D as a, like, as a place because there are so many different iterations and so many different, like, campaign settings. But all of them have this concept of planes. Yeah, that's how they that's how they get kind of in with the multiverse thing. Exactly. And the, these these creatures are like this because they're from this plane where shit's totally different. And, and it's like parallel universe. Actually, almost. when you were doing the research and just kind of explaining some stuff to me, I didn't realize exactly how many planes there were. There are a lot in it, the universe, like. But Dungeons and Dragons universe, let me go ahead and yeah. specify. And in the Dungeons and Dragons universe, they acknowledge the fact that there are other universes. Like, for the, like, in the settings, there there's lore out there that points to other prime material planes existing, which I'll get into that later. But, like, D&D is set in a multiverse on its own. The title chapter for one of the uh, source books I looked from is actually called Creating a Multiverse. Nice. That's exciting. And and you think sometimes that there's like there's certain rules. Like you think you you're you're in this campaign setting and you think, okay, you've got the prime material plane. I've mangled that a little bit. Prime material plane. And then you've got like the elemental planes and this and this and that. But then it's like then they throw a couple random ones in and you're like, what the fuck is the demiplane of dread? Go away. What? I'll actually talk about that a little bit. What is going on? It's like, they just, there's so many. I should mention that I'm not going to go through in depth everything about planes, because that th- if I did, it would be multiple episodes. And I will probably, one of us will probably end up revisiting this. You mean you're not going to describe in detail every plane in every single multiverse? <laughs> Correct. Dang. And I'm not going to go through every iteration of planes as a concept. But for now, I'm probably going to stick with a 5e description of the planes and some other stuff. And then I'll go over some different cosmologies or planar layouts. The current imagining of the planes in 5e and then a description of the planes per 5e. So this is a more strictly 5e setting. Yeah, I'll kind of give a brief rundown of how we got there, but... I mean, that's fine. I mean, there's a lot of information about planes, so... Just because it's all mixed together, I will say that I have taken notes from the Forgotten Realms Campaign Guide, the Player's Guide to Faerun, 5e Dungeons Master's Guide, and then this article called An Elementary Look at the Planes, which is by Shannon Appleclimb. It was actually very helpful at finding some of the early plane stuff that it that needed. That sounds like a real thing. Like, just, 
Like this sounds like that sounds like something that would be like in an actual academic journal in universe published by like a by like an actual Dungeons and Dragons astrophysicist. Yeah, and I consider myself more of a Dungeons and Dragons like zoologist. So <laughs> this will be interesting. So planes were first introduced by Gary Gygax in Dragon Magazine issue eight, which came out in July of nineteen seventy seven. A little before Star Wars? <laughs> a little and, after? And we're back to it. Listen, that's my new calendar, guys. We got a Star Wars calendar now. We do. It's our timeline. <laughs> uh, he. This is where he initially detailed a great wheel concept, which set the precedent for the entire future cosmology and D&D. And he expanded on this further in 1978 when the first mention of planes came into effect in Advanced Dungeons & Dragons Player's Handbook. Initially, planes were kind of introduced as kind of a way to explain elementals. Early concepts only detailed the prime material plane, positive and negative planes, elemental planes, and a basic outline of outer planes of moral philosophy, basically the fact that they existed, and kind of an early idea for ethereal and astral planes. It became the groundwork for multiple different complex iterations throughout D&D by various authors and contributors. One worth mentioning is... Dragon Magazine writer Jeff S- Jefferson Swikefer? 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 <laughs> I have seen the name you're talking about, and I've never tried to pronounce it because it's just a harder-to-pronounce name. You know how sometimes when like you read to yourself in your head a little bit, and you see sometimes you see words or names like that, and your brain just like... It just like blanks out. <laughs> it just like skips over a little bit. Yeah. Like, like, no disrespect, because, you know... I'm sure if I was able to find a pronunciation, yeah. it, I would be able to remember it, but I just didn't... Just phonetically, there's there's a lot of different... Yeah. Things, right. Like, possibilities there. So, I'm sorry, Jefferson. I'm going to go with Swike Hafer for now. Jefferson, sir. Jefferson, Mr. sir. Jefferson, sir. <laughs> Anyways, Mr. Jefferson. Gary Gygax implemented several complexities imagined by him. These changes included planar borderlands be- between each element, um, but also between elements and moral outer planes. So you'd have to you'd have borderlands between like air and good or something like that. Oh, so as I mentioned, the first cosmology depicted ever is this idea of a great wheel that encompasses the entire universe, and it's it, for the longest time it was the most commonly accepted in game and out. It visualizes the planes as a group of concentric wheels and the prime material plane in its center with the echoes of the Feywild and the Shadowfell. More on that later. Uh, the inner planes form a wheel around the material plane, and then the outer planes form another wheel around the inner planes, and they kind of are in an alignment within wheels in there. So it's just this idea of, like, constantly moving, like, clockwork, gears kind of thing. Oh, that's beautiful. It is. Wheels on wheels. The outlands link them all together. Yes. A lesser accepted theory within the world, but it's kind of cool if you picture it as a D- as a DM, is this world tree cosmology. And you know how, like, I like tree imagery, right? Oh, very a Yggdrasil moment. Yeah. Of. Yeah, exactly. It's pictured as an arrangement of planes that are situated among the roots and branches of a great cosmic tree, both literally and figuratively. It's kind of taken from Norse cosmology, Yggdrasil. Yeah. The three roots of the world tree touch the three realms, Asgard, an outer plane that includes Valhalla, Vanaheim, Alfheim, and other regions, Midgard, the material plane, and Niflheim, the underworld. I don't think that's how it's pronounced. No, I think it's it's close to that, like Niflheim or something. Okay. I think. 
And then the Bifrost would be the equivalent to the Ashland Ethereal planes. They're transitive planes. So when when you say like lesser, you said like lesser accepted in universe. Yes. So it's like this is a belief that characters in kayfabe would have. Yes. So, okay, okay. And potentially it could be true if you're a DM and you pick this. Yeah, or alternatively. Yeah. I... I was... I honestly like the wheel... Imagery better. Imagery better. Some people like trees, Travis. I mean, it's not that I don't like trees. I just prefer the wheel one. That seems a little... There is one more uh, cosmology that is uh, noted within D&D. There are tons of suggested cosmologies for DMs. So there is one final cosmology before you make your decision on your favorite. It's the world axis cosmology. In this view, the material plane and its echoes stand between two opposing realms. The astral plane and the elemental chaos. Ooh, I like that. I like that way that that's described. So the astral plane floats above it, and it has all the uh, divine domains, which are commonly accepted as the outer planes, the ones of thought and morality and philosophy. And it doesn't necessarily, they're not all good, necessarily. They're just the planes of higher thought, is the way I was thinking. Below the material plane is the elemental chaos, which is where you have all the elemental planes and where the elements meet. They kind of clash together and form additional elements and complexities. And then at the bottom of the elemental chaos, is the abyss, which is like a whole described as like a hole torn in the fabric of the cosmos. It sounds very much like some people's visual on like Earth and then like heaven the, and hell. The kind of yeah, heaven and hell. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does have that. Even though you know, like you feel. said, there aren't it's not necessarily that these higher planes are actually always quote unquote good or that elemental type planes are aligned with evil, but it does kind of feel that way, especially with the fact that the abyss is at the very bottom. Right. I personally prefer the wheel. It's just prettier and more concentric to me. The wheel does seem better to me. I don't... (laughs) But you could take aspects of anything just to make your own and... You can do whatever you want. Exactly. That's, you know. that's fair, too. I But the structure is nice to me. Yeah, I do. I do love that because that's what I'm most familiar with when you think of, like, what a planar structure commonly is in Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. But I'm a, I'm a fan of the, just, like, anything that in Dungeons & Dragons that takes from mythology that I've seen before. I'm always, like, I always do, like, a, a, a Yggdrasil type of... I dig the idea in, like, a spiritual sense, but, like, in an actual layout of the planes, I'm a big fan of just the, the yeah. structure. I feel like the, you can you can get a lot from, from anything, though. Yeah, that's true. It's, it just depends on the way you lay it out. Big the, tree. Yeah, big tree. Big tree. <laughs> I like big tree. <laughs> the planes are extremes. They represent any extreme found in the primaterial plane. They're realms of myth and mystery. They're not other worlds, but dimensions all on their own that are governed by their own. In this context, the primaterial plane is the center of convergence for all the extremes featured in the other planes. Direct quote, where all these philosophical and elemental forces collide in the jumbled existence of moral life and matter. Sounds really pretty. And I gotta say, that's something that I've always found really fascinating about D&D is because pretty much any type of setup that you find... Like, it seems like the prime material plane is always at the center of it, yeah. if not literally, then figuratively, which is interesting because that's a very stark contrast to, like, Earth. Like, yeah. real Earth. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, especially, like, nowadays, and at least for me, like, I think of our, like, our existence on Earth is just, like, this very tiny, inconsequential speck 
bordering the sun, which is a very tiny inconsequential like speck in the universe. But it's like in Dungeons and Dragons, the prime material plane where your character is probably from, probably lives and does their thing is the center of everything right. that's going on. I think that's kind of like, it's kind of interesting to me. That's what my notes say. Pretty much all D&D worlds primarily take place within the prime material plane and is used to define relation to the other planes. Basically, like you said, it's material planar centric. But, you know, who knows if everyone feels that way. Maybe the uh, elemental planes feel differently. Yeah. Oh, they're just in the center. of. They're just chilling out in us like psh, whatever. But the planes are grouped into categories. The material plane and its echoes, which I found describing the Feywild and Shadowfell a number of times as echoes. They are defined as reflections of the material plane. Transitive planes, which are the ethereal and the astral plane. They're mostly featured this and more or less just serve as pathways to the other planes. Yeah, like you go through. I mean, you go like through the astral plane when you die, right? Um, Isn't that... You go through there to go somewhere else, right? Yes. I'll get to that. And then you go into the ethereal plane when you, like, blink and things like that. Oh. Like when you cast blink. Yeah. When Not you when you physically I know, blink I was your like, eyes. I was like, wait, you can just blink? When you cast blink and you, you, just, go, you go into right. the astral plane when you cast astral projection. You just, you just close your eyes. It's the power of a mad... Whoa. Damn! Power of imagination. You close your eyes and you're in the ethereal plane, Travis. My bad. So then you have the inner planes, which are the four elemental planes and the elemental chaos, regardless of which one you go through, which like uh, cosmology you go through, you're going to find the elemental chaos somewhere. We're on that in a moment. Hell yeah. Sounds great. The <laughs> <laughs> and then you have the outer planes, which are the the 16 outer planes, which they correspond to the eight non-neutral alignments and shades of philosophical differences between them. Yeah, a whole plane full of philosophers. No. <laughs> I'll skip that plane, thanks. <laughs> I mean, I can maybe take a dip in the chaotic neutral plane, but, you know, I'll pass on the... I'll pass on the lawful evil. There are uh, some uh, depictions of D&D that say that when you die, that if you get judged, you get sent to some of these planes after you die. Ugh. So it's like if you were if you were a bad person, you have to go hang out with all the other lawful evil people or chaotic evil people. Or if you were a good, a good upstanding citizen, you have to go hang out with the paladins. It depends. In, in the lawful good zone. Unless you were a chaotic person and then you get to go hang out with all the chaotic good people. Yeah. Hang out and do your the, thing. The best people. <laughs> this, is, this, is a, this is a safe space for anyone of any alignments. Because any any alignment can be interesting if, sure. if you play it right. I'm That's just making true. I'm just making jokes. Fucking paladins. Fucking paladins. We did in our previous campaign. We did have a pretty awesome paladin. I normally find them very stuck up, and he, he was very you stuck up to fall off of a hundred foot bridge. His character was intriguing, and he was played very well for the one session that my character was with him. And she decided that she just hated him for no fucking reason, <laughs> just because they were so naturally diametrically opposed to each other, because she was a chaotic swamp hag <laughs> in training, and he was a, a shining, upstanding paladin. Yeah, he was played pretty good, though. He was. Yeah. He, he really like, committed. Committed to the, the character. Back on track. Anyway, sorry. Back on okay. had to make Had to stop and do our, our weekly paladin joke. So I'll dive into the Echoes first, uh, starting with the Feywild, also called the Plane of Fairy. 
It's a land of soft lights and wonder. There's music and death. It's uh, dramatic. It's a realm of everlasting twilight because the sun never rises nor sets. It just stays firmly put in the sky. That sounds like hell. (laughs) The one part with the sun never going down is what sounds like hell to me. But there are places where you can, like, find a nice shade and get some... It's not like the sun is just constantly beating down. It just hits, like, a dusk and then is immediately like a dawn thing it never goes away completely kind of yeah i kind of picture it as just like permanently etched in the sky and like a permanent sunset that never goes anywhere my visual is kind of like how it is in um certain parts of the world i think in like up around the arctic circle where for like some months of the year the sun never sets it's like six months. Yeah, and again, or I don't. Maybe I don't not six months, four months out of the year or something. Yeah, yeah, I don't know a lot about that. I've just seen photos like of the phenomenon where like the lowest it ever dips into is looking into kind of like a sunset, right? And then it kind of immediately is just like back up. Yeah, yeah. The Feywild exists in parallel to the material plane in an alternate dimension that o- occupies the same cosmology cosmological space so it's not in a different place it's kind of like an alternate dimension within the prime material plane it's like on top of it pretty much like if if the uh, prime material plane was a dome it would be split into your basic prime material plane and then your Feywild, and then your shadow fell on bottom and on top okay <laughs> basically you don't you sound like you don't they occupy the same space it's kind of like fourth dimension your fourth like Four-dimensional stuff. D&D. 4D. Yeah, there's a lot of big words going on here. (laughs) (laughs) What, dimension? That's the biggest word I've heard. But the important thing to note is that landscapes in the Feywild and the Prime Material Plane are, like, the same, but different, like... There's different things going on. Yeah, there's different things going on. Like, Uh, it's the same hill, but maybe in the Prime Material Plane it has a village on it, but then in the Feywilds it's just, like... Forested. A forest, yeah. The exa- one of the examples given by the DM's guide is moving to the Feywild from old ruins on the material plane might put a travel at the door of an archface castle. Yeah. The Feywild is inhabited by sylvan creatures <laughs> such as elves, dryads, satyrs, pixies, and sprites, as well as centaurs and magical creatures such as blink dogs, fairy dragons, treants, and unicorns. Yes, unicorns. <laughs> Also worthy of note is some of the creatures that people might not, like, expect from the fae. Like centaurs? I didn't realize centaurs were fake Oh, yeah. But also hags, blights, goblins, ogres, and giants. Hell yeah. Goblins? Yeah. That one I wasn't aware of. Yep. Goblins are great. Or ogres, actually. They can hang in the fae wilds. I thought ogres were just from the prime material plane. Oh, well, that's good to know. I mean, I'm sure we can do an episode on ogres later where we find out more. Probably. So the second echo is the Shadowfell, also called the Plane of Shadow. It's a dimension of black, gray, and white, and almost all colors leech from there. So if you, like, walk into the Shadowfell wearing, like, beautiful, dazzling colors, it's going to get <coughs> muted the second you get into the Shadowfell. So we're moving from the pastel edit to the goth edit. Black and white. Hell, that wasn't even the pastel edit. That was the vivid-ass neon edit. Yeah, that's fair. That's not really... That was the psychedelic. That was edit. like the uh not like kind of kind of like a soft vibe but like bright colors. Yeah. Whereas like a, yeah. Yeah. I I'm trying to I feel like there's a specific word I'm reaching for that I can't find. Summary? No, like a weird obscure probably Japanese word. Probably. Uh anyway. so while the Feywilds had a never setting sun that was always just low and golden and beautiful, the Shadowfell 
has no sun, no moon, no stars. The sky is a black vault. Okay, well, I was with it with the no sun thing, but but when you get rid of the stars the moon and, and the stars, moon, yeah, it's yeah. like okay, not well, it's kind of a little like, hard to see. That sounds a little depressing. But Very. I know there's there's werewolves in the Shadowfell, right? How do they werewolf if there's no moon? Maybe there is a moon, but you can't see it. Different kind of lycanthropy. Yeah, lycanthropy. Lycanthropy. How do they werewolf? <laughs> <laughs> they don't. It it overlaps the material wing. The material wing? I'm going to try that. The material wing? I'm going to try that sentence again. <clears throat> I thought you said material wing. <laughs> it overlaps the material wing. Oh, I hate y'all. I'm wing sorry. just swinging in the cosmos. The shadow fell overlaps the material plane the same way the Feywild does. And it's basically the same thing with the Feywild. You're going to have some stuff that's the same in the material plane, but the shadow fell is a dark and twisted version of it. So one of the examples given is a force in the shadow fell is dark and twisted that might be vibrant and living in the material plane. Hmm. Yeah. I think Strahd, Strahd hung out in the, uh, I always go back to Strahd, my first boy. Yeah, you um, might slightly love him. Love him. I do. I appreciate him and all of his eccentricity and creepiness. But like, I think he, he spends, he hung out in the shadow fell. I think some iterations of Ravenloft are in the shadow fell. Yeah, probably. I do remember seeing the word shadow fell. I should mention that I do recall from my reading that the Raven Queen is a prominent person who lives in the shadow fell. Love the Raven Queen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Shadow dragons and undead undead creatures (sighs) usually. Yes. (laughs) Live in the shadow fell. And other creatures, including cloakers and dark mantles. I don't know what the, either of those are, but they sound that sounds fucking really cool. cool. Are there werewolves in the Shadowfell? It doesn't mention them, but <laughs> because the reason I said that is because I know that some other like expansions that they talked about with Ravenloft, which I don't know if this iteration of Ravenloft was in the Shadowfell, but there were like prominent werewolves. Uh, so it made me think there would be werewolves in the Shadowfell, but maybe not because there's no moon. Werewolves might not be from the Shadowfell. And maybe... If, maybe they don't have to be from there, though. Yeah. Yeah, maybe if one goes in, they're just permanently locked into their werewolf face. Yeah. Or permanently, permanently locked, locked out Or locked of out of it. Yeah. Because you Who can't... Wear, how do you werewolf if there's no moon? We could find out on an episode about lycanthropy, maybe. <laughs> I want to mention that even as the reflections of the premature plane, they still represent an extreme, as most planes do. Extreme emotion in life and the complete absence of it. Oh. Lovely. So, moving on to the transitive planes, <laughs> we have the astral plane, which is the realm of thought and dream. Ooh. Vi- visitors travel as disembodied souls to reach the outer planes. So, yes, the astral plane is the one that you take when you die. That is the gateway you have to go through to get to... Go to a gate AP, <laughs> and then you're going to get on the soul train. It's a vast, empty <laughs> expanse uh, depicted as a great silvery sea. Yeah. A great what? Silvery Sea. Yep, familiar with that one. Silvery Sea. I've also seen descriptions of it being the Astral Sea. Yep. Yep. Creatures on the Astral Plane do not age or suffer from hunger or thirst. Humanoids that live in the Astral Plane establish outposts in other planes. Wait, so there are actual humans that just live in the Astral Plane? Not humans, humanoids, such as the Githyanki. Uh Uh-huh. They, I believe, come from the Far Realms. The Githyanki. 
I've seen that word before. It's um, it's a playable race in 5e with a few expansions. <gasps> oh! What do you do if you live in the astral plane? Like Whatever the fuck you want, because you don't get hungry, you don't get thirsty. That probably study. means... That probably means you won't, because if you don't get hungry, that probably means you won't die of starvation or, like, thirst or something like right. that. Right. So you just hang out and you, what was it you said that one time? If you wouldn't be, if you wouldn't be here, you just paint a lot. Paint a lot, yeah. You just paint a lot. You paint the astral sea because it's beautiful. It is hmm. probably very beautiful. You write poems about the astral sea because it sounds beautiful. Uh, you can move simply by thinking <clears throat> in the astral plane. Ooh. And there are gateways to the other planes that appear as two-dimensional pools of rippling colors. I mean, to be So fair, it might be very pretty just to, like, sit back and, like, look at all the colors pass you by. Just be careful about which little rippling pool you go into. To be fair, I don't think that's impressive because I do plenty <clears throat> of stuff on the Earth and Prime Material plane without thinking. So, <laughs> you know, I don't even have to think to do stuff. Uh, the smarter a creature is, the easier it can control its movement. Oh, man. Can you imagine a dumb creature going in there? <laughs> uh, the creature's walking speed is equal to three times its intelligence score. So, yeah. Huh. I know somebody who would have a good time in there. <laughs> I know a few people who would have a very bad time in there. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so, moving on to the ethereal plane. It's misty, fog-bound dimension. So, it's kind of like... A little similar to the astral plane, but also a little bit different. Its shores are called the border ethereal, and they overlap the material plane and the inner planes. So the ethereal plane connects the material plane to the inner planes, while the astral plane connects the material plane to the outer planes. Ooh. Okay. This is very enlightening, actually. So every border ethereal has a corresponding location in the ethereal plane and the material plane. Visibility in the border ethereal is limited to 60 feet. And then when you get into the deep ethereal, it's limited to 30 feet. You can only see 30 feet in front of you before it just is obscured by fog. Sounds like a fantastic place to go. Yeah. All right, let's go vacation there. Right? <laughs> okay, so let's say you take a trip through the ethereal plane and you end up in the inner planes. And we'll get to that after we take a break. Oh, no. We're stuck in transit. We're stuck in the ethereal plane. No. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to our planes episode. I was really excited to do this one because I've done so much research into the planes anyways, just for my own interest. So, yeah, it was it was really great to actually, like, break it down and. Tell everybody about it. Yeah, especially because it's such a foundation. Right. It's a big part of Dungeons & Dragons. Please follow us on our social media, if you so wish, on Twitter and on Instagram, at Dungeonpedia. We've gotten pretty lucky with the names so far. Yep. We we swooped in. Seems no one has uh, taken this particular name yet. Yeah, didn't use it. Or worse, did use it. We also have a Tumblr at dungeonpedia.tumblr.com. Um, we post our episode updates and also kind of general D&D stuff. We got like fancy art, funny posts. Um, we also have our email at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. We take suggestions. We take, you know, any comments, concerns you might have. Corrections on pronunciations. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Please, please don't. Even just... Well, please do, but... Yeah. Just, we, we probably make a lot of pronunciation errors. I'm sure we do. It's fine. Even if you just want to talk, it's whatever. Yeah, that's well, fine, too. We're, we like to talk... In case you haven't noticed, we like to talk about Dungeons & Dragons. And we also just like to talk in general, I think. Yeah, that. that too. 
Uh, remember to rate us, go bleh, rate us and subscribe to us subscribe. to uh, wherever you listen podcasts at. I believe I mentioned this in the last episode. I figured out that when it comes to rating us on iTunes, you can't do that from an Android device. You can do that if you download the iTunes app on a desktop, which is weird. I wish they would fix that, but they don't. Which you can do on you can do on Windows, right? Yes. Yes, okay. you can a- download any, it on... Yeah, any form of... Pretty much any operating system. Pretty okay. much any operating system. It's just for whatever reason, they don't have a rating ability on Android for iTunes. There is still stitcher that you can rate us on you can subscribe to us pretty much anywhere subscribe to us you can get immediately notified when we update uh our new episodes and if you have your own like podcast app that you like to use that we are not on you can actually go to our website and copy the rss feed and put that there and it'll just update for you every time we upload an episode that i was not aware about that's cool i like that's uh pretty good very handy if you do happen to do that Tell your friends the same thing. Yeah. They can do that as well. Spread the word about our podcast. That is probably the greatest way for us to get out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As with every starting podcast, we are basically begging you. <laughs> Please. To help us out if you enjoy us, then that would be great. Also, how many people actively search for Dungeons & Dragons podcasts? And probably are looking- a lot. Well, let me finish. And are looking for things that aren't actual play, for example. I'm not certain on that. I'm really not sure. Maybe. But I'm hoping that people are Aren't... just interested in the lore, like yeah, we were. Because I know that actual play is a big hit, but yeah, you know. there are non-actual play podcasts as well that are doing pretty good, and hopefully we get there. We're trying. One of these days. Um, big thank you to Alexander Nakarada for the use of our theme song, Blacksmith. Nice little thing you hear at the beginning and end of every episode. That did take a good minute to find one that we actually wanted to use. He does have several other fantasy-themed songs. Yes. That you can find on various various platforms. Free PD. Free PD, Is where we are. No, Free PD. Free PD. Sorry, I'm trying to... Free PD. Free PD would be redundant because Wikipedia is free, so... True. Fair enough. But also Freepedia is a... That's what I thought it was called, too, actually. <laughs> I know. Both of you guys said that in the last episode. Oh, we did? Oh, no. Yeah. You didn't correct us then, did you? I told you that I did not think that that was the right website and uh, that we would put a link up, which we still have not done. We need to do that. Oh. It'll be up by now. I didn't listen. So. It'll be up by now. And you can just cut all this out, so it's fine. Exactly. Anyway, I believe that's all of our plugins and our begging and asking and all the other stuff that you wish to uh, do. So in that case, I need to know more about planes. Let's go back to planes. All right. We've been waiting here for hours. They keep telling us there's a problem and we can't go yet, but I'm sick of it. I want to just want to get to our destination. Welcome to the interplane. Yay! After hours of layover. All you of have bad to weather. do is complain. Exactly. That's true. That, that's how you move in the ethereal plane. Just bitch. You that's just bitch. How you move in life. Well, that's not exactly the most sound advice. <laughs> Don't always do this, but sometimes a fair amount of complaining can get you what you want. But like one time, Lewin just complained that she didn't want to buy water at the medieval fair, and some lady just pulled a bottle of water out and gave it to her. Note, I wasn't complaining to this woman. Yeah, no, she was complaining to me. And she overheard me and was like, oh, here, have a bottle of water. And I was like, wow, complaining gets you places. <laughs> I never would have guessed until I saw that. And then I and then I went and chewed out an underpaid person working in a retail establishment. I no, don't do, do that. Don't do that. Don't do that.
So, <laughs> welcome to the inner planes. They surround the material plane and unfold it and its echoes uh, and provide raw elemental substance, which all the world is made from. There are four elemental planes. Air, earth, fire, water. Water, earth, earth fire, air. Okay, sorry. <sighs> and in the Great Wheel model, they form a ring around the material plane. I'm actually going to kind of go with the Great Wheel model for all of this because no, it is my it. favorite. It's a pleasing and visual. And it's easier to describe all the planes using it. And than their relation to each other. fucking tree. Yes. You just really don't like that tree. They are suspended within a churning realm known as the Elemental Chaos. Ooh. At, in the Elemental Chaos, that is where basically all the elements are in constant chaos with each other. So it's like a dark extreme of the primatial plane. All the elements are there, but they are constantly in a chaos. So it's like you have the individual planes of specific elements, but they exist sort of within this like space. Yes. It's like like organelles in a cell. I don't Yeah, know. no, I mean exactly. Like the other like the elemental chaos is like the cellulose. Exactly. And yeah. And then the uh the plane of fire is the powerhouse of the <laughs> the wheel. I kind of like to think of it as kind of like the earth. You know how you have the core? That would be the primaterial plane. Mm-hmm. And then... You have like another layer another out. Another layer out is that, and it's the elemental planes are kind of like the uh, like giant rocks sitting in there that are just constant, so it's constantly moving. So it's, it's, it's like layers. It's, yeah, it's layers. So one might say it's like an onion or perhaps an ogre. <sighs> You knew you knew a refer- you knew that I knew it was coming I, eventually. I didn't. I should have, but I didn't. And you that caught me not- so off guard and just uh. <laughs> So uh, anyway. the uh, elemental planes are all connected to each other even within by the elemental chaos, but also without. They have their own border regions bet- between them that are sometimes described as distinct planes in their own. For instance, the air and water planes that are next to each other. Clouds. When- Sorry. <laughs> yes, they create clouds and frost. Oh, and then, like, maybe fire and water makes, like, steam. steam. <gasps> and fire and earth is, like, lava. Yeah. I, I mean, feel like I'm playing doodle god. You kind of are. All right, guess uh, guess earth and air. Uh, <laughs> that was gonna... That was uh, my thing. With, I don't even ash know. Ash and dust. Oh, like, okay, yeah, no, yeah. that makes sense in hindsight. But you, you di- like, you directly asked me a question, and I panicked. <laughs> which that's really what happened. Like, I could have just probably got there myself. So, important note for anybody: if you want to make Lynn panic, just ask her a question. If directly. you want to make me panic, do absolutely anything around me, and I will freak out. Oh gosh, she's going to panic so much if we end up having like a live show or something. You know oh those like God. you know those dogs that like they wear the little vests or like the yellow collars that say nervous on them. Yeah. You need one? I need one. Everything (laughs) frightens me. So at the innermost edge of all the elemental planes, so where they kind of hit the border ethereal on the far end, they are the closest to the material plane in in concept and also literally geographically. But they parts of them actually kind of look like places you'd find in the prime material plane. The uh, elements mingle together in like a balance and harmony. The dominant elements exert some influence, but it's not chaos, basically. And it's not like killing all life Neat. the way that extremes would. There are inhabitants in that kind of inner ring that include Aarakocra, Azers, Dragon Turtles, Gargoyles, Genies, Mephits, Salamanders. 
Yeah, because salamanders are like fire, fire yeah. elemental type. I fucking love dragon turtles, though. Yeah. yeah, I almost did an episode on dragon turtles. And I personally forgot the Aarakocra were from the plane of air. I huh. did not forget that because I never knew that. Yeah, I was going to say, I never knew that. So. I thought they were just bird people. Another yeah. like humanoid thing from the prime material plane. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're humanoids from the elements of air. And hmm. yeah. All right. Well. Good job, Aarakocras. Yeah, and they can travel to the prime material plane through the ethereal plane or through portals, and they can survive there because it's similar. The further you get away from that, the more chaotic it is. Freezing. On fire. On fire. Water that is so deep you can never, like, see the end. Mm-mm. Like the bottom of our ocean would not yeah. be enough. Nope. Sure. Nope. Just... And then nope. eventually the elemental chaos where there's just too much chaos. So just much. so much just shit going on. Chaos everywhere. Yeah. I picture kind of like the outworlds of Mortal Kombat when you say that. Just like lightning everywhere and shit's just, just everywhere. Yeah, just a bad... Yeah. Towards the outer region, before you reach the elemental chaos, you will find elementals there. So, yeah, your water a- elementals. They can survive in the more extremes. Yeah, those are probably about the only damn things they can survive in that kind of extreme. Pretty much, but also golems, invisible stalkers, just a lot of... Not just stalkers, invisible stalkers. Yes. And primordial primordial beings of pure elemental fury. Oh, those fuckers. Yeah. The princes of evil. The people who pure made Pure the- elemental fury. That's... The people who made Tarask. Yeah. Yeah, see? Fuck those people. <laughs> but they gifted us with they, the Tarask. They cursed us with the Tarask. No! He's- the Tarask ate my family. <laughs> So, just a quick description of the four main elemental planes. Mm. So, the plane of air is an open expanse with constant winds and varying strength. There are chunks of earth that drift, but it's like very... Floating islands. Yes. Floating islands. It's oh, very... wonderful. It just feels so, like, harmonious and, like, drifty and, like... Oh, that sounds cool, but at the same time, like, I'm trying to think of how you would traverse that. You'd have to fly. Or just have a giant kite. <laughs> You got so excited. I love it. You're like, don't worry, guys. I got this. And you're, and you've jump. like strapped yourself to a kite. <laughs> Release me. Or like a hang glider. Uh, there are cloud banks infused with enough magic to become solid <gasps> surfaces strong enough to support towns and castles. Oh, my God. A castle on a cloud. on a cloud. A castle on a cloud. <laughs> Shit. So the plane of Earth is a chain of mountains rising higher than any mountain range in the prime material plane. It has no sun of its own and no surround, no air surrounds the peaks. Uh, visitors to the plane often arrive through caves and caverns. So kind of like dwarves would love it. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds more dwarvish than anything. I'm still more a fan of the air so far. But. Yeah. So earlier when you had issues with the Feywild sun, you'll really have issues with the sun and the plane of fire. <laughs> It stays high up in the sky, about noon-ish level, for 24 hours. Cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It ranges from white hot at noon to deep red at midnight. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, the deep red I would love to see just as like a... Just as a phenomenon. Yeah, just like to see this phenomenon, but fuck the rest of that. Most of the occupants in the Plane of Fire live in the city of Brass, which is a city that's made out of brass. I actually think I've heard of this. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. 
Well, I don't. I actually, I was, I was going to make a comment, but I don't know anything about the melting point of brass. So from uh, Critical Role, actually. Ah, well, the city of brass. I won't go- delve too far into that because we have a bunch of other planes to go through. So the warm sun does arc across the plane of water, but Talk it seems plane of water. to rise and set from within the water <gasps> at the visible edge of the horizon. Ooh. It is an endless sea. Nope, I'm yep. good. Yeah. Love it, love it. Dotted here and there with islands that rise up from an enormous coral reef. Storms move across the sea sometimes, so there's like changing weather, but it's all water-based. So the only reason I could see me loving this plane was just so I can get on one of the islands and fish. But past that, fuck this massive nothing but ocean world. Oh, I love it. World. I'm good. Oh, uh, I wonder what kind of creatures live there. I'm gonna guess mermaids. Probably some, and probably like, let's be real. Like, I love the ocean. I love the deep, abyssal level shit, but probably some freaky stuff. Probably. Like, yeah. stuff with no eyes and lots of glowy spots on Krakens it. Krakens and <gasps> mighty leviathans. Oh, yeah. Kraken. Yes. Oh, Release I love the, the Kraken. Let's go to the plane of water, guys. Nope. Yep. <laughs> you have fun with that. I will meet you on the plane of air. <laughs> so you guys both have your favorites. Well, let's move on to the outer planes. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> so the I like the description in the DM's guide uh, for the outer planes. If the inner planes are raw matter and energy that make up the multiverse, the outer planes provide direction, thought, and purpose for its construction. Oh, it's like the difference between um, like matter and spirit. Exactly. Like talked about in like fourth generation Pokemon specifically is what I'm thinking, but <laughs> just matter and spirit. I mean, a, a lot of different things talk about like the importance of like raw materials, but also soul stuff. Soul stuff like that's also a calling me a nerd is very bold coming from you, Travis. Yeah, I mean, I we are all having a little bit of a pot calling the kettle black moment. moment here. None of us have any ground to stand on as far as that goes. We are so. in our nerd room recording a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Travis, you are wearing a critical role shirt. I'm at least wearing normal people clothes. So the outer planes. So the outer planes. So the outer planes. <laughs> They are divine places, spiritual planes, godly planes, and they're best known as the home of the deities. Okay. Those bitches. The language is highly metaphorical. Their actual homes aren't literally places at all, but exemplify the idea that the outer planets are realms of thought and spirit. Their concepts. Yes. Oh, this is getting way too deep for my brain. (laughs) I'm still with it. I'm still with it. (laughs) I mean, go on, but yes. my brain is going to fry. They resemble places in the material plane. But again, there are extremes. Yeah. They don't have like a wide variety in environments. The environment can actually, ch- and the landscapes can actually change at a whim by the powerful forces that live there. So a god could just be like, no, nah, I want a mountain here. Yeah. This, looks, just this looks like this now. Yeah. You know? Dang. Dude, I want that kind of power. Mm, I don't want you to have that kind of power. Distance now. is virtually meaningless. If the if the plane wants you to walk forever because you you saw something in the distance and you want to reach it, the plane's going to make you. It's just going to keep pushing it further. There is no like actual distance. It's it's always going to be bigger or smaller on the inside based on what the plane or the deity in it wants it. A sort of Sisyphean sort of. The uh, actually yes the. Um, Example oh. given is uh, <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> See, I made a joke, but... Adv- adventurers could take a guided tour of the Nine Hells from the first layer to the ninth in a single day, or, if the powers of Hell so desire it, it could take weeks for travelers to make their grueling trek across a single layer. Oh my. Ooh. Yeah. As I mentioned earlier, the 16 planes correspond to eight different the eight different alignments minus true neutral. So the outer planes are split into upper planes and lower planes. Upper planes, good in nature. Lower planes, bad. Well, uh, evil. Yes, evil. Good, evil. So then I guess you have the intermediate ones in between then? I say intermediate ones. They're all... Are they in between the... You'll see. You'll okay. see. Okay, so... Right, I'm asking ahead. You're fine. No, you're not allowed to be curious, Travis. I'm sorry. You're not allowed to ask questions. I'm sorry. <laughs> a plane's alignment is its entire essence, and a character whose alignment doesn't match the plane will feel some kind of disharmony within. But those who do will feel, like, whole and complete and feel comfortable there. So uh, if a good creature visits the plane that's associated with goodness, it feels in tune with the plane. It feels at home. The upper planes are home to celestial creatures, including angels and pegasi. The lower planes are full of fiends, demons, devils, Mm. and their ilk. Rakshasa. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the Nine Hells, and it made me think about the Rakshasa. Yeah. No, that's where they are. Yeah. That's where they are reborn. Yep. It's where they uh, go and respawn. They, the two in between planes that we mentioned, well, that you mentioned, hold two specific races. The Modrons inhabit mechanists, and aberrations called Slotty thrive in the limbo. So, more on that in a moment. Limbo. Let's just dive right into the, uh, all the. 16 outer planes. Oh, Lord. So, I'll go through this quickly. Lawful Good is held in Mount Celestia, a single sacred mountain rising from a shining silver sea. Yeah, sounds like a Lawful Good place. (laughs) Yeah, your paladins are going to end up there. Uh, The plane is a model of justice and order, of celestial grace and endless mercy. Angels are champions of good and guard against intrusions. Gazing towards the peak feels fills even the most jaded of travelers with awe. So, I mean, it would probably still be a pretty cool place to look at. Yeah. Also, for, for those of you, since you can't see, I was sticking my tongue out and rolling my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so, the next one is occupied by neutral and lawful good. There's kind of a... You see how we get 16. There's always a yeah. little overlap. So the two layers of the twin paradises of Bytopia are similar yet opposite. One is a tamed pastoral landscape and the other an untamed wilderness. But they're both harmoniously and reflect the plane's goodness and acceptance of law and order where necessary. It's basically a plane of balance of both extremes. With an excellent name. (laughs) Bytopia. That's where you're from. (laughs) So yeah. listen, I it was gonna happen. Neutral good is in Elysium. It's home oh. to creatures of unfettered kindness and compassion, and a welcome refuge for planar travelers seeking a safe haven. So I kind of imagine rolling planes, and yeah, yeah, and obviously the name Elysium is very uh... tranquility seeps into the bones of souls who enter the plane. It is the heaven of well earned rest. While a place where tears of joy glisten cheeks. Oh. I kind of actually do picture it as like a lot of culture's concepts of heaven. Yeah. You know what? I When you said Rolling Hills, you know what? I immediately pictured. What? The old like Microsoft XP. <laughs> oh, my oh my God. God. <laughs> we found Elysium, guys. We found heaven, guys. It's the Microsoft XP default background. 
So oh, was it XP? I think it was XP. It was XP. Yeah, it was okay. XP. So neutral and chaotic good occupy the beast lands, a Ooh. plane of nature unbound. Ooh. Beasties. Forests occupy the space, moss-hung mangroves and snow-laden pines. Ooh. Thick jungles. The plane embodies nature's wilderness and beauty. So it's wild. pretty. Yeah, it's wild. It's chaotic, but it's also beautiful and good. So the chaotic, just purely chaotic good is Arborea. It's a place of violent moods and deep affections. Honestly, if I had to like picture like a more extreme Feywild, it would be Arborea. That's like the sexy edit on the Feywilds. Exactly. Not that the Feywilds probably wouldn't be pretty sexy anyway, but that's like the sexual edit of the Feywilds, <laughs> I feel like. It's good-natured inhabitants are dedicated to fighting evil, but their reckless emotions sometimes break free with devastating consequences. Raging is common, so you'd probably find a lot of barbarians there. Hell but, like, yeah! Chaotic cool. good Hell yeah! Chaotic, chaotic good barbarians. Just raging all over yeah. the place. Uh, Arborea is home to many elves and elven deities. Yeah. Well, elves are naturally lean towards chaotic. At least in 5th edition, they yeah. lean towards chaotic, so. Yeah. And elves born on this plane have the celestial type. Ooh. Ooh. All right. So, chaotic, neutral, and good are in Eastgard. What is that? Y-S-G-A-R-D. Yeah. Eastgard. Eastgard. I think it would be, yeah. Yeah. It's a Seems rugged... good enough to me. It's a rugged realm of soaring mountains, deep fjords, and windswept battlefields... Summers are long and hot. Fjords or fords? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, heroes actually come to Eastgard to test their mettle, not only against the plane itself, but the giants, dragons, and other Ooh. creatures that live there. Also, this is where all my characters are from. <laughs> Eastgard. Because I, I always play on that chaotic neutral and the chaotic good border. So in the uh, center, all on its own, the place where the uh, upper planes meet the lower planes, we have chaotic neutral limbo. It is a plane of pure chaos, roiling soup of impertinent matter. Stone melts into water that freezes into metal, that turns into diamond, that burns up into smoke, that becomes snow, on and on and again. And in this unpredictable process of change. What the hell? Yes. So limbo actually conforms to the will of the creatures inhabiting it. So intelligence and willpower and wisdom kind of make a they're kind of make or break you in limbo. That's interesting because that's not how I pictured limbo. You know, no. like when you say the word limbo, I always pictured it as a lot more of like a a sort of uncomfortable feeling of like stagnation and wrongness as opposed to just all this chaotic shit happening. That's interesting, though. I like it. Yeah. Very disciplined people can create entire islands and their own whim to live on, whereas a simple-minded creature is probably just going to freeze to death because all of the water is just going to surround them and suffocate them and freeze and then boil up and disappear. So basically, you have to have a pretty strong will to exist in Limbo. So chaotic, neutral, and evil exist in Pandemonium. Ooh. That should also sound familiar to you. Pandemonium, it does. It's a plane of madness, and we're into the lower planes now. A great mass of rock riddled with tunnels and carved by howling winds. Conversation is only possible by yelling, and even then the maximum distance is 10 feet. Oh. The, uh, that sounds terrible. Mm-hmm. The uh, winds actually drive people to madness and exhaustion. You actually take points of exhaustion when you are exposed to the winds. So, chaotic evil occupies the abyss. This should sound familiar to you guys. Yes. This is where Lulth escaped to. And also Hmm. what you mentioned earlier. Yes. Mm. It embodies the perverse, gruesome, and chaotic. 
why mm. Wolf chose it. Yeah. It Those has some evocative words there. <laughs> virtually endless layers that spiral downward into ever more appalling forms. Ew. Each layer of the abyss boasts its own horrific environment. So specifically, if we go to Lolth's layer, the demon web, it's an immense network of thick magical webbing that forms passageways and cocoon-like chambers. Throughout the web, buildings, structures, ships, and other objects hang as if caught in a spider's snare. Lolth is surrounded by her handmaidens, demons created to serve her, which outrank mightier demons while in the spider fiend's realm. Also, Lolth is there. Also, Lolth is there. Also. Yeah, which might be one of the uh, bigger points there, but... Yeah. Maybe a defining factor as to why you would or would not want to go there. Exactly. I choose to not. <laughs> I would think about it. <laughs> it's because she has that booty. She's got she's, that spider booty. She's got that spider the booty. The abdomen. <sighs> yeah. So neutral and chaotic evil occupy Carceri, which is the model for all other prisons in existence. It's almost impossible to escape. It's a plane of desolation and despair. It has six layers that hold vast bogs, fetid jungles, windswept deserts, jagged mountains, frigid oceans, and black ice. They all form a miserable home for traitors and backstabbers who are trapped there forever. Forever. So... At least one of them probably smells nice. (laughs) That's a place of constant backstabbing. Punishment. Yeah, I mean, you you only end up there for punishment. Yeah. Or maybe by accident. Yeah, or by accident. Because I would imagine that a lot of inter, like interplanar travels might end up in Carceri. Could go wrong, and suddenly you end up somewhere you don't want to. Yeah, then you have to find a way out. And yeah, ugh. what is it called? Carceri, Carceri, or Sarcery? I like Carceri because it sounds like incarcerated. I do that's too. What, that's what I. <laughs> that's where I think that came from. It's like escape from incarcerary because you're party wizards, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Or just rolled, like, the the 1% on the percentage die that fucked you up. Just lost concentration for a just split second. dropped the uh, the whole party into the terrible but delicious smelling black eyes dimension. <laughs> the neutral evil occupied the layers of Hades, which mm. are also called the Three Glooms. Places without joy, hope, or passion. They are an ashen sky. It's kind of, it actually is kind of similar to the Shadowfell, except it's more even worse. Yeah. Because the the Shadowfell, at least, like, you think of it as, like, just a filtering of like, it's literally the black and white edit of the Prime Material Plane. Exactly. This is, like, this is just inherently a shitty place. Yeah. They have fiendish rulers and are ruled by neutral evil gods. The souls that are captured there become larvae and spend eternity in the pl- in a place that lacks sun, a moon, stars, or seasons. Like, okay, literally? Yeah. The souls literally, literally become larvae. You have like a, a, a metamorphosis. Well, that's not larvae. That does a whole thing, but gross. Yeah. Ew. God. Like, to just to be that. Ew. Gross. That sounds honestly even more unpleasant than Carceri. Yeah. Which did not sound pleasant to begin with, but at least you would you would be able to kind of... Ugh. Neutral and lawful oh evil occupy Gehenna, which is a plane of suspicion and greed. Ooh. It is the birthplace of the Yugoloths. Yep. Which dwell there in great numbers. A volcanic mountain dominates each of the four layers of Gehenna. I forgot to mention early on, layers are kind of a thing when it comes to outer planes. Almost every plane has several layers. You can think of it as like a staircase to heaven or not a highway to hell. Don't say that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we don't have to because you just did. True. Or like the, um, oh, 
uh, what's the book? Um, I don't know where you're going with this. Maybe if you throw out a couple words, I can figure it out. But Italian. Dante's Inferno? Yes! Aha! Dante's Inferno, the layers and the travel through hell that he goes through. Yeah, and how it's very uh, personalized. Yes. Because, like, the, you know, the the lawful evil kind of edit is a little different than the chaotic evil. Exactly. Type, because lawful evil and chaotic evil people are different types of bad. Uh, Gehenna has no room for mercy or compassion. The fiends living here are among the greediest and most selfish in the multiverse. Lawful evil occupy the nine hells of Bator. Which is literally, I think, a very Dante's Inferno. Oh, yes. I'm pretty sure that it was taken from Dante's Inferno. It inflames the imagination of travelers, the greed of treasure seekers, and the battle fury of all moral creatures. One more time. This is the chaotic evil? Uh, Lawful evil. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. The devils of the nine hells are bound to obey the laws of their superiors, but they rebel within their individual castes. Hmm. Most will undertake any plot, no matter how foul, to advance themselves. And at the very top is Asmodeus, who should sound familiar to just about anyone. Yeah. He is basically the king of the Nine Hells. Uh, Fucking kings. If he is vanquished, the victor would rule the plane in his turn. Such is the law of the Nine Hells. So basically, you kill the king, you are the king. Pretty much. It is very lawful. They have their own... Weird laws, but it's very lawful. Yeah, like it's it's fucked up, but they have their own their own hierarchy, their own way of doing and things. And they follow exactly. that. It's just to a T. A little, a lot fucked. Someone up. could absolutely love Asmodeus, but someone else kills him. He's still gonna follow him because he. That's how you. That's how that's it works. You do. Yeah. Lawful and neutral evil occupy a Sharon or Acheron. I'm not sure. It has four layers, each made of enormous iron cubes floating in an airy void. Sometimes the cubes collide, and echoes of past collisions linger in the fa- in the plane, mingling with sounds and ar- of armies colliding. It's a plane of strife and war. Mm. As the spirits of fallen sur- so- soldiers bleh, join in battle against orcs devote- once devoted to Grumsh, Goblinoids loyal to... Grumpsh. Grumpsh. Yeah, you remembered him. I do. Goblinoids loyal to Maglabiet and legions assembled by other warmongering gods. So basically, this is bad Valhalla. This is bad Valhalla. And I imagine the sound is horrible considering those echoes of past collisions just go on forever. Oh, yeah. That's very... Uh, how, mm, how, no. Not into that. You're just hearing eternal clashing sounds just nonstop forever. We have made it to the other side of the lower plains. We are at the other end of the neutral area. Lawful neutral, which exists on Mechanus. Law is reflected in the realm of clockwork gears, all interlocked and turning according to their measure. Mm, I like it. The cogs seem to be engaged in calculations so vast that no deity can fathom its purpose. Mechanus embodies absolute order. It just follows the law. It doesn't matter good, evil, whatever. It just follows the law. Deism. Jesus. Yeah. That's an excellent visual, though. Yes. Uh, Modrons are the primary inhabitant of Mechanus. They're kind of clock-like. They actually look really cute if you want (laughs) to Google them at some point. They're kind of adorable. And the godlike being that created the the Modrons is called Primus, and it also lives there. Primus. Mm -hmm. I like it. So, lawful, neutral, and good occupy Arcadia, which thrives in orchards of perfectly lined trees, ruler straight streams, bleh, 
orderly fields, perfect roads, and cities laid out geometrically in pleasing shapes. It is literally suburbia. The good place. (laughs) It sounds like a good place neighborhood, but to a degree where, like, you would be in there and it would almost feel, I think it would sounds like it would feel disconcerting. Yeah, Maybe probably. that shows I'm just a naturally like more chaotic person, and so I would feel uncomfortable there. But I feel like that perfect, like that perfect, so pleasing structure would like bother me. Probably. Like there would be something that would feel wrong about it, and like a, uh, it's too perfect. Yeah, I mean, pure in this plane, purity is eternal, and nothing intrudes that harmony. No, I don't like that. Yeah, the weather in Arcadia mm. is governed by four allied demigods called the Storm Kings. The Cloud King, the Wind Queen, the Lightning King, and the Rain Queen. Whoa. All right. I like it. Also, guys, if you're in a position to do so, I would definitely recommend you Google Modrons because they are really cute. <laughs> oh, they're so, they look like little droids. One of our last stops will be the Outlines. It is the plane between the outer planes. It surrounds and encompasses them. It is the plane of neutrality, incorporating a little bit of everything and keeping all as- aspects in a paradoxical balance. Basically, simultaneously balanced, but in opposition. It is the most part, is the part of the outer planes that most resembles the prime material plane. The outlines is circular, like a great disc. Those who envision the outer planes as a wheel point to the outlines as proof, calling it a microcosm of the planes. And then I like this little bit in here because it kind of points towards the lore of D&D. That argument may be circular since the arrangement of the outline the arrangement of the Outlands inspired the idea of the Great Wheel in the first place. I love oh. that little infighting. <laughs> uh, around the outside circle, evenly spaced, are Gate Town, 16 settlements, each built around a portal leading to one of the Outer Plains, previously mentioned. I'm not going to go into that because we are running out of time. Mm, yeah, pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in the center of the Outlands is Sigil, the City of Doors. It is atop the spire, which is a great mountain that points high into the sky in the Outlands. The city of doors. Yes. It represents neutrality because neutrality wasn't represented in the other planes. Right. So this is what represents neutrality then. Yes. It is a bustling planar metropolis that holds countless portals to other planes and worlds. It's a traveler's paradise. Goods, merchandise, and information come there from across the planes. The city sustains brisk trade and information planes. Portal keys of all kinds can be bought and sold there. So you end up in Sigil. You can find a key to anywhere. Portal keys? Mm-hmm. Oh my god. That sounds like the best place to go. Have a lot of money? Know where to spend it? Go to Sigil. I want to mention this real quick before I start to wrap everything up. That the city is ruled by the inscrutable Lady of Pain. You'll remember her from Vecna. The Lady of Pain. That's such a good name. I'm not going to get too much into her because I kind of think that she deserves her own episode. But she is uh, being as old as gods and with purposes unknown to even sages of her city. Is she a person? Is she the fallen creator of the multiverse? No one knows. But her judgment is inescapable. Her judgment is absolute. So, real quick, demiplanes. Demiplanes! They are extra-dimensional extra-dimensional spaces that came into being by some variety of means in both their own physical laws. Some are created by spells, curses, etc. They are pinched off realities from the multiverse. It can be as small as a single chamber to a lo- uh, the size of, oh, Barovia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the demiplane is connected to the material plane in some sort of way. 
but it is basically a pinched off piece of plain. The last thing I'm going to cover is this bit that is uh, mentioned in the DM's guide about the worlds of the multiverse. They are infinitely diverse and widely known. If your campaign takes place on one of the worlds, that world belongs to you and your campaign. I, I really like this because it drives home the idea of creating your own setting and creating your own twist on things. Even if you use one of the pre-made settings, you can still have fun with it and make it your own. Right. It's still yours. Yes. And it says your version of the world can diverge wildly from what's in print. And it also, ha- if you have the DM's guide, it also has a list of all the different settings that D&D has ever run. Damn. I know I <laughs> talked a lot and threw a lot of information at you, but that is all I have. Of course, there's a lot more information, but we... Oh, yeah. Yeah. We are limited both by how much you actually need to edit and the time we have on Buzzsprout to upload. Yeah. Yeah. So we can't cover everything. But that was a handy little travel brochure for me to, like, plan my next <laughs> vacation. You know, it covered the highlights. Yeah, I'm going to the plane of air. Bye. <laughs> See, I'm... my I- giant kite. I'm thinking a trip to the Feywilds might be in order for me. Feywilds. I really want to hit the Plain of Water, hang out with some abyssal sea creatures. The Plain of Water does look pretty cool. If you went in all scuba gear, if you went in all scuba gear, you'd be be okay. You'd be okay. I'll take take pictures for you with my GoPro. There you go. I have a GoPro. (laughs) I'll think about it. But yeah, that's that's all I got. That is your quick rushed guide for a Travel brochure through the planes. Well, well that was uh, it's fascinating. I enjoyed I enjoyed that a lot, and it was it was nice to get it actually. You know, even though it was very, I would say, simplified from the de- the level of detail you could go into with each individual plane. Oh yeah, because for sure. I I feel like it's one of those things that when you hear things talked about separate from like the context of everything else, it's like, you know, oh, I don't know. I don't know what the astral plane is. I don't know where the ethereal plane fits into that, whatever, whatever. But it was nice to have it all, like, succinctly, Yeah, I think, there. Because there's a lot of planes, and I feel like it would be, it'd be nice for somebody to listen to. Right. You know, just to have a quick little, these are the shadows and this and that. I mean, I hope, if nothing else, maybe this episode inspired you to look more into the planes or your favorite plane, just even that. And await anxiously for another episode on the planes and delving a little bit more into certain ones. <laughs> yeah, maybe specific ones. Some of those like alignment based planes were really interesting. They are. Like I thought it was just like, you know, the elemental planes and then you had like just the basic ass like plane of thought and then you had this one where the gods live, but it's like, nah, you know. There are a ton of planes. So many planes. There's motherfucking planes in this motherfucking game. Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus Christ. Sorry, I had to get that one out one more time. I was proud of that joke. Yeah, yeah. Good job. And as I do, I'm going to milk it until it's not funny anymore. It's not funny now. (laughs) Anyway, uh, don't forget to follow us on all of our various social media platforms, including our newer Instagram that's actually been kind of fun to play with. I've never really messed with Instagram before, but... See, I, I told you. I know. I should have listened to you guys from the beginning. That's not the point. Don't don't gloat about you being right. Spread the word to your friends instead. Spend <laughs> yeah. uh, your time doing Do that. that. Yeah. Hey, Travis, follow our Instagram. Oh, uh, about that. Hey, Travis, tell your friends to follow our Instagram. I will most definitely do that. <laughs> if my friends you, have Instagram. You have other friends? 
Aww. Not really. I've, I've got a few extras, you know, here and Extras? There. You got your side pieces. <laughs> oh, God. And I think some of them listen to this. I'm sorry, guys. It was a joke. I didn't mean it. <laughs> I did. No, I didn't. We would really appreciate you spreading the word to your friends, though. Sharing us on the social media you're about to go follow us on. Yeah. If you sure. have anything you would like us to cover in a future episode, feel free to email at us at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. So, yeah. <clears throat> Best place to reach us with your uh, your ideas and things like that. Anyway, I think that's it for this week. And we will catch you next week here at Dungeonpedia. Dungeonpedia.